Are you tired, run down, listless? <laughs> Do you poop out at parties? Are you unpopular? Well, the answer to all your problems might be found right here in this little bottle. That is the beginning to a commercial for Vitamita Vegemin. It is from a very, maybe the most famous I Love Lucy episode. Uh, and it is also the heart behind most advertisements, right? Do you have these problems? Well, the solution to your problems is right here. Wouldn't you like to be like the happy peppy people that take Vitamita Vegemin every day? And you, I mean, there, you might hear that and you might think to yourself, yeah, that describes me, right? Yeah, that describes, I, I am that tired one. I am the weary one. I am the one who seem, tries to uh, work and work and work and try as hard as I might, I find I just feel further behind. And you might look and go, I, I wish that there was something that I could take, something I could do that would make me like those happy peppy people that seem to have everything together, that they seem to be on top of their stuff, and they seem to be uh, getting ahead while I seem to be falling further behind. Well, this morning we're looking at the book of Matthew, and what we're going to find here is some real hope. Not because it will transform us into those happy, peppy, popular people, but because we find that it is to this kind of person that Jesus says, come here and let me give rest to your weary souls. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 11? We're going to start in verse 25. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. At the beginning of this section, in verse 25, uh, Jesus says, uh, he begins to pray, right? He, he just declares out loud in front of everybody. Everybody who is there is hearing him pray out loud, spontaneously. Wouldn't that be kind of weird? Has that ever happened to you? You just find yourself in the midst of talking with people and explaining things and suddenly burst out in prayer. Transition. But right at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Well, what is he talking about? What's the context here? If you back up a few verses, you see uh, the woes, right, that Rick uh, very capably preached last week. 
Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Woe to you, Capernaum. Why? Why was he warning them? Because they had seen the miracles of God in their cities that Jesus had performed and they had not repented. In fact, if you go back to the beginning of chapter 11, what you find is John the Baptist sending his disciples to Jesus to ask Jesus, are you the one that we have been expecting or should we wait for somebody else? Are you the deliverer? Are you the hope of Israel that we have been expecting or should we look to someone else? And what Jesus said was, here's the things that I have done. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. His response to John was, through his disciples was, look at all of the stuff that I have done as evidence for who I am. Yes, I am the one that you have been looking for. And after saying that, he then starts proclaiming these woes on these other cities. Woe to you because you have seen all of these miracles that I have done and yet you didn't believe. And yet you didn't believe. You should have seen the miracles. You should have seen those great performances of God in your midst. And you should have repented and turned back to him by coming to me. And then Jesus prays, Father in heaven, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. All of those wise and understanding, all those smart and clever people in Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum and other places that had seen those miracles of Jesus and didn't get it. And Jesus says, God, I am so glad that the things that were hidden from the wise and understanding and clever have been revealed to little children. Now, let's, let's get this straight. It is not because they were wise that they didn't see it. He's not saying all wise and smart and clever people will never get it. And all little children will get it. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that the way that you get it is not through your wisdom and understanding. It is not through your cleverness. It's not through your brains. You don't think your way to God. There are people who will spend much time thinking very hard to try and figure out the solution to the world, right? The, the answer to life, the universe, and everything. They're trying to think about that and, and figure it out. Philosophers that spend time and they say, well, because of this, then that, because of this, then that, and they come to these great conclusions, and you go, wow, that is amazing. How did they come up with this? Surely, if someone was going to know who God was, it, surely, if someone was going to understand how the world works, it would be this person. Because isn't that how it's supposed to be? Isn't it that the most clever, the most wise 
the most knowledgeable people, don't they really get it? And Jesus says, God, I am so glad that that's not how this works. That you have hidden it from people like that and revealed it to little children. That it doesn't require great brains to be able to come and understand what Jesus is offering. The things don't don't have to do with each other. You don't. Uh, you may even, in fact, be too smart to get it. You may outthink yourself. But we don't need to worry about going. Okay, I, I guess I'm not clever enough to get it. Jesus says, "No, that's that's not how this works." I was trying to think about a parallel, and I thought, it's kind of like going, I'm glad that the fastest people in the world aren't the rich. Like, you can't buy your way to being the fastest person in the world. The two things are unrelated. No one can have so much money that they can buy themselves physical feats of strength. That They're unrelated. They're unrelated. And in the same way, he's saying, it is not your intellect, it's not your wisdom or understanding that is going to get you into the kingdom of heaven, rather, it is by the grace of God. It is because God has hidden it to some and revealed it to others. So how did you get in? Well, I very spent some time and I thought about it and I figured it out. No, that's not how it worked. God either opened your eyes to see it or he didn't open your eyes to see it. That's how it worked. He either revealed it to you or he didn't reveal it to you. And Jesus says, Father in heaven, I am so glad that this is how it works. That entering the kingdom of heaven is not a a meritorious achievement, something that, that you accomplished but rather something that was just given to you. And I think all of us should find hope in that. All of us should find hope in that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to qualify for it, right? You don't have to stand up at a spelling bee and spell all the words in order to qualify to get into the kingdom of heaven. You don't have to be able to play the right chess game in order to qualify to get into the kingdom of heaven. You don't have to earn enough money to get into the kingdom of heaven. Yes, Father, he says, for such was your gracious will. In Matthew 18, he talks about this same idea. He says in 18, verse 3 and 4, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. How do you get in? It's not through clever thinking. It's not through wisdom and understanding, but rather through humble accepting what God has to offer you. Why? Verse 26, Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. 
because that's how God wanted it to be. It was his desire that it would work this way. Because he is a gracious God. He's not hard and demanding. There are caricatures of him in the church and outside the church that God is a hard and demanding God. And God is gracious. His desire is to be gracious. His desire is to be generous. His desire is to welcome people in even if they don't deserve it. Yes, Father, for such is your gracious will. It is not his desire that the strongest Hardest working, most competent, best looking, richest people would be qualified for the kingdom of heaven. It's not even that those who are, have the most integrity or the most piety or the most religious zeal would get into the kingdom of heaven, but rather those who would humbly accept what he has to offer them. Even the smallest, most incompetent, most pathetic person by our standards is graciously offered by Jesus to come. Come. Okay, so if that's the case, if it is true that the wise and understanding don't get it because they're wise and understanding, but little children can get it, how does that happen? Jesus goes on to explain. He, he prays, he praises God in prayer that this is the way that he works, that it works, and then he explains to those around him what he's talking about and how it actually works. He says, all things, this is verse 27 of Matthew 11, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. How, how do you get into the kingdom of heaven? How do you get to know who God is? It isn't through wisdom and intellect. It is, rather, because Jesus knows who the Father is. The Son knows the Father. The Father knows the Son. And no one knows either of them unless the son says, you want to know something? I'm going to tell you something. That's the only way. You know, there's all kinds of um, superhero movies that are out there, and some of those superheroes have secret identities. Some of the secret identities make sense. Some of the secret identities don't make sense, and you're like, wait, they didn't know that? How do they not know? Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, how do they not know these things? But what Jesus is talking about here, this is, I, I have a secret identity. I have a secret identity. I am the eternal God. I've, I've been 
before the beginning of the world with my Father in heaven, and now I am here on earth, and I have this secret identity. And nobody looking at him would go, huh, the God of the universe in flesh. Nobody looking and, and talking with him would, would, would know or be able to figure it out, right? You might think that somebody might go, okay, let's see, Peter Parker is in these places, and then suddenly he, photographs are taken and Spider-Man, I wonder, right? Nobody is, is able to do those same things with Jesus and go, hang on a second, lots of miracles, things put, happening over here, <gasps> the God of the universe in flesh right here in Jesus, they're not going to figure it out that way. What happens instead is that Jesus reveals himself and says, I am he. Yep. John, you want to know? You want to know? You're right. I'm the one that you've been expecting. I'm the one that you've been waiting for. Look at all the evidence. And people that then are told go, oh, wow. How did I not see this before? How did I not know? It was like he just put on glasses and I couldn't tell. But here you have the way that this works is that the Father in heaven has said to the Son, whoever you want to tell, that's okay. Whoever you want to tell about us, you go ahead and tell them. And so then the son comes to earth and goes, hey, hey, you want to know something? My dad is the God of the universe. Hey, hey, I got a secret. My dad is the God of the universe. Do you want to know my dad? Do you want to know my dad? It'll change your life if you get to know my dad. You should turn away from all that other stuff. You should come and hang out with me and my dad. Come follow me. In fact, the thing that Jesus does next after he explains how this works, after he explains that he is the one that, that the Father has uh, given authority to reveal to whomever he wants, he goes, you get to know and you get to know and you get to know. Nobody else can figure it out. Only those whom he tells get to know. You get to know, and you get to know, and you get to know. You get to know. And he explains, this is how it works. And then, he gives a great invitation. But isn't this weird? Like, this isn't how I would normally think that it works, because most things don't work this way. Most things, the people who succeed are those who are the smartest in the room. Right? When I go to class, the people who work the hardest, think the hardest, are the most clever. They're the ones that get the good grades. They're the ones that succeed. The people who really understand who, how business works, they're the ones who succeed. And yet, Jesus says, the whole thing is flipped upside down because the way that this is going to work is I'm just going to reveal it to whoever I want to reveal it to. And because that's how it works, I want to give you all an invitation to come. 
verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, I, I'm the one. I'm the one John has been waiting for and watching for, the one that John told you was coming. When John said, somebody is coming who is greater than me, I'm that one. I'm that one. And so are you tired, worn down? Are you burdened? Do you feel like you're carrying a heavy load? Come to me. Come to me. Come to me, all who, are la- all who labor and are heavy laden, heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Come here, you got that big pack that you're trying to carry? You're trying to bring that with you everywhere that you go? You're trying to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders? Come here, let me take that off. Let me take that off. I'm going to give you rest. This isn't like I'm going to help you be relaxed. This is I'm going to give you refreshment. You know those days that you have worked really hard and then you just grab the water and you just drink that water and go, oh. Or you get super hungry, you were working really hard and you didn't even realize how hungry you'd gotten. Do you ever get into a project and you forget to eat? And you feel like you're getting worn down and oh, I'm just dragging. The, harder I, the longer I work on this project, the, the more I feel like I'm dragging. And then you sit down and you eat and you just realize, I am so hungry. And you eat and you eat and you drink and you just feel like, oh, and now the energy is coming back. Now I feel like I'm refreshed. I, I took a break, and I feel like I'm refreshed, and I can go back at it. I can get back to work again. It, it's that kind of picture that Jesus is giving when he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I am going to give you refreshment. I'm going to refill you with energy and vigor and life. I don't know about you, but there are times when for me, I just feel like, are we going to make it? Are we going to make it? I'm just so tired from trying to do all of the things. And Jesus says, okay, Travis, come here. Why are you trying to do all of the things? And some of you are going, yeah, what you need to do is get out a calendar and schedule things and prioritize and say no to stuff. If you learn to say no to stuff, so freeing. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about tips and tricks to make it feel like you can manage your life. He's talking about giving rest to your weary souls. To those who are carrying those burdens that won't go away, he's saying, come here and I will give you rest. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, 
uh, Jeremiah is, is prophesying, and he says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. And then follows all of the consequences for that. You know, for a very, very, very long time, God has been saying, would you come here and find rest for your soul? Would you come here and find refreshment for your soul? And people stand around with their arms crossed, You can't fool me. I'm not going to walk that way. I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to come to you like a two-year-old. I do it myself. Come. Come. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know what's interesting to me about this? When Jesus says, come to me and you will find rest, what does he say? And come sit in my easy chair. Put up your feet, and I will bring you lemonade. Take my yoke upon you. That is a really weird illustration to tell somebody to take a break. That's a really weird way to say, you're going to be rested and refreshed. I'm just going to put this yoke on you. You know what a yoke is for? You put it on a horse or a donkey, or a mule, or an ox, or something like that, and you hook it up to something, a plow, or a wagon, or something, so that it can pull and work really hard. It's like Jesus going, come here, and I will give you rest, and you can take my shovel. Hang on, Jesus, I thought you were going to give me rest. How do I need, why do I need your shovel? I thought we were going to rest. It sounds to me like you expect us to work. You see, Jesus is not expecting that we will do nothing. We were built to work. We just weren't made to work the way that we're working. We were made to work for God. We were made to work in a way that honors Him and not in a way that we are trying to achieve our own achievements. We find rest because we're working with him. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn the way that I do it by the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. That's how the, I do my work. Find refreshment by doing it with me. With me for my purposes rather than under your strength for your purposes. And you will find yourself refreshed. 
you won't feel like you need to sit in an easy chair with your feet up drinking lemonade because you will feel like you can work because he has refreshed you. He has reinvigorated you and filled you with life and energy again. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The kind of work that I do feels easy and light. I, I feel like I have been um, prepared to preach this sermon for my whole life. And the reason that I feel that way is not because I feel like I am refreshed and so good at being unburdened, but because I have been told an illustration from this text since the time that I was very little. My, my grandmother wrote it in her book about her life, but I heard it even before she wrote the book. And I'm going to, it's not very long, and you'll like it, so I'm going to read it to you. This section is called, The Big White Horse Does It All. One spring when I was nine, Daddy was plowing the second field with a big white horse, Slim, and the mule, Coin. Mom asked me to bring him a thermos of coffee and a couple of cookies out in the field. As I approached, I noticed that Slim was lathered with sweat, but Coin, walking in the furrow, was not only not sweating, but was walking precisely half a step behind Slim. I said, Daddy, do you see that Slim does all the work and Coin is not really pulling? You should whack Coin on the rump and make him do his share. Daddy smiled and said, I know, Pearl. Slim loves to work. Look at him paw the ground. He can hardly wait until I'm done drinking my coffee. I need coin to hold up his end of the yoke so that we can plow a straight line. Look, half the pasture is already plowed. I have a good team. Years later, when I was sweating things, I thought back on this incident as a perfect illustration of Jesus' words, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is the big white horse who loves to work. Like coin, our only job is to hold up our end of the yoke and walk a half step behind Jesus so that we don't sweat. And so we travel together in a straight line to heaven. What a great plan God has. I have been hearing that story since the time when I was very little. That the picture when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, is not here. Here's a new burden for you. Instead of your old burdens, here, take on this new burden. But rather, what Jesus is saying, if you yoke up with me, if you yoke up with me, I will do all the work. And it will be very light. Your burden will be very light. Follow me. A half step behind, yoked up with Jesus straight to heaven. What an awesome picture. 
Because at the end of the day, you get to look back and see the field plowed behind you and go, look at all the things we did. Look at all the things we did. I'm accustomed to looking back and saying, look at all the work I did. Look at the things that I have accomplished. And when we are yoked up with Jesus, instead my perspective changes and I say, look at all the things that we did. Look at all the things that Jesus and I did. The things that God did through me, through the work of His Holy Spirit. Look at the things that have been done. And the burden was easy and light for me because Jesus did all the work. Jesus did all the work. His burden is described in 1 John chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. What are the new expectations when we get yoked up with Jesus? That we will follow Him. That we will follow in His example and that we will obey Him. We're not going to do it perfectly. Sometimes we're going to mess it up. Some of the time we think, I am not qualified for this. And yet, Jesus puts us in those places anyway and says, I have called you to come. I have called you to come and follow me. And when you follow me, you will find rest for your weary souls. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We're going to be taking a break from the book of Matthew for the summer, and we will be uh, picking it up again in the fall, but what an excellent place to end, isn't it? What a great hope to end this section of Matthew on. That we who are burdened and heavy laden can find rest for our souls when we come to Jesus because He has done all the work. He has done it all on the cross, accepted all of our debt, paid all of the prices so that we might follow him. And it is my hope for you that this morning, whatever you feel burdened by, you will be able to cast those cares upon the Lord and find refreshment for your soul. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how good you are. 
how good you are that you have made it so that it is not the most charming, the most clever, the most capable, the most charismatic, the most beautiful, the strongest. It, it, is, it is not those who are invited to find rest in you. But it is the, the simple and the humble and the lowly who are invited to come. Lord, we praise you for this this morning. We thank you that you have sent Jesus to do the work for us that we might be yoked with him, identified with him and seen as his. Thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us. That we might hope in you. And so, Father, I pray for those who are here, that you would give them rest, that deep down in their souls, they would feel refreshed as they come to you. In Jesus' name, amen.